Greetings, friends. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, here for a brief introduction before today's very special episode. Guys, it's official. We're on Patreon. You can come join the party. Uh, Patreon.com slash Film Alchemist Pod. Guys, for as little as a dollar a month, you can join our social community over there with Discord, Zooms, uh, things like that. Some fun activities we're planning for a little bit more, guys. You can begin at any tier to select specific movies you want us to cover. You can begin to help us curate the show, both on the main feed and on a Patreon-exclusive feed that we're setting up for you. We have some amazing new content ideas, perhaps deep dives into shows like Black Mirror Tales from the Crypt. A lot of other really good stuff we're working on uh, over there to make sure that you guys who are kind enough to donate with your hard-earned dollars always feel like you're getting a bargain with us. So again, guys, that is patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. It's the best way to support our show. It means the absolute world to us that any of you guys have been doing that. So to our patrons, we thank you. To those of you who may become our patrons, uh, patrons, Patreons, we can't wait to have you. We are ecstatic that you'll be joining us. Uh, and we can't wait for all the fun ahead. Guys, something free you can do to help the show. Leave us a rating and review wherever you find the pod, especially if that to be Apple Podcast app. Uh, that's a great way for us to fight back against the algorithmic overlords, right? The masses coming together and saying, these guys are pretty cool. They do cool stuff. Come join us. Join us. Right? That 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 mass of voices will override uh, the tyranny, man. It'll help us out. So that's a free way to help us out. It does mean the world to us when you guys give us kind words. Thank you so much for that. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist, where we do video versions of most of these podcasts, along with some other content. We're always working on more content. That seems to be what we do. Uh, and YouTube is no different. So subscribe over there, guys. Tell your friends. Thank you for that. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com, or find us on all the socials you're on. Those are great ways to just get a hold of us. If you just want to chat with me and Alex, let us know uh, what you think of the show, what kind of stuff we could do to make it better, what kind of things you want to hear us talk about. We are always listening. So thank you. All right. That's enough business, guys. On to today's very special and exciting episode um today we are discussing a movie that there's a great chance we never ever would have covered in ten thousand shows today we're talking about death wish 3 starring one the one charles bronson this movie was brought to us by one of our favorites our dear friend rachel reeves rachel is uh as you guys know she's a master of the vinyl she is a whore writer you can find her work at uh rue morgue I know she works for uh, We Are the Whore, We Are Whore Zine. They're a great follow too, guys. That's a great thing to support if you can. Um, and many other sites. Rachel's one of those very active, busy people. And it's because as soon as you get to know her, it's euphoric. She's an amazing person. She has such an interesting and unique uh, taste, right? Everything she finds, every time she shares something, it's like a new little treasure to find. And it's not in that gatekeeping kind of way. Rachel is here to share the great stuff with everyone and increase the joy of the world. She's funny. She's charming. Um, she tolerates us. <laughs> and she absolutely brought us a treat that she knew would work for us. And 
we can't thank Rachel enough uh, for being our friend. It does mean the world to us. She is one of our favorite people that we've gotten to meet through doing this podcast. We wish her all of the success. Guys, you can also support Rachel's podcast. She's co-host of a supremely awesome podcast, The Losers Club Pod, right? And that is a Stephen King podcast for the book. Stephen King himself approved of Rachel and the show. So that should tell you how awesome she is. The fact that she makes time for two dinguses like us is not lost upon us. It melts our hearts. We thank her from <laughs> from the bottom of our little black Philip souls. Um, So guys, Death Wish 3 is a strange movie, right? It's a strange time capsule movie of a different era, of a different kind of world and politic. Um, but it's wildly fun and engaging, and it led to an awesome talk. So we know you guys will love Rachel. We hope you love the show as much as you love Rachel. Again, help us out. Patreon.com uh, slash Pod. I know. I got you again. I made it dirty and cheap. I put money on the fun and friendship. But hey, you know. Without further ado... Death Wish 3 with the great Rachel Reeves. Enjoy! Welcome back to the pod, guys. Our friend Rachel Reeves. Thank you so much for returning. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be back, back with Bronson. <laughs> back with Bronson. That should have, God damn it, that should have been a curation month. I never thought of that. All right, Rachel. Before we get started here tonight, would you like to give the listeners a brief introduction into who you are, where they can find your work, and what movie you chose for tonight? Yes. So. I am Rachel Reeves. I am a freelance film writer. I write about horror, sci-fi, action, lots of horror um, on various sites. Usually you can find me lurking about on Rue Morgue and Valingo, Film Cred, and a little bit at Consequence. And yes, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, all the usuals. But today, today I brought with me Death Wish 3. <laughs> what a uh, bananas entry because when you actually messaged us banger. i was like did she mean death wish and just nope. added a three on accident because <laughs> no, i had no, never no. seen death wish three so why why death wish three particularly so death wish three particularly i thought was best suited for you guys okay so <laughs> because i'm just joking about water <laughs> <laughs> because death wish is like it is like a good movie. There's a lot to unpack there. I think that it's got some real merits. It's also got, it still resonates in a really weird way and it got lots of unsettling stuff. It's shot amazing. Some real social commentary, but Death Wish 3 has, I mean, it, it's there, but it's also just <laughs> bananas. It's yes. just completely bonkers for lack of a better <laughs> word. And it's just excessive and it's, it's wild. It's completely wild. And I just really wanted to hear you guys specifically talk about it. <laughs> well, spoiler alert, you nailed it. Yeah. Uh, wow. Because I watched both and I forgot. Because one of the things I, I was trying to think back on is for some reason, Death Wish is so much more of a polarizing film mm -hmm. than so many other action movies, right? And I yeah. don't fully understand it myself, right? Maybe I wasn't of the era, but. Because I was thinking about it, it's like, aren't almost all action movies 
vigilante revenge films, like the really popular ones at least. There's a lot of movies in this genre, but something about Death Wish in particular really set people off in a strange way. What I, and so that's what the conversation I was prepared to have. And then I watched Death Wish 3 for the first time <laughs> and realized I had completely overthought the field. Alex, what were your first thoughts on uh, Death Wish 3? I mean, I got to say, to pick us to do this one, yeah, you pretty much nailed us to the wall. Like, there's, <laughs> this is a perfect movie for us to talk about because there's so much to not unpack, but just, like, bask in the glory <laughs> of, like, the Bronsonness, the death wishness, mm-hmm. and like the over watching it, I was just like, this feels like the New York people think of in like 1983, 1984, like that branch of the 80s where it was just like crack ruin New York and became like the version like from Taxi Driver up. That's like the version of New York everyone thinks of. This feels like the version of New York that somebody who like I live in LA someone in California thought of and they're like yeah I bet it's just like that and then they watch the Warriors and they're like oh I'm kind of right and then they like junior exec (laughs) yeah like someone just like saw the Warriors and like I don't know news footage from like ABC and they're like oh my god I'm totally right yeah and then they wrote Death Wish 3 like yeah it's and by the way not a critique actually totally makes this movie hilarious and awesome i had a i i legitimately was so entertained the entire time yeah i thought that was a weird point too because 70s new york films right like we recently just talked about nighthawks and a lot of movies of that era it was this super gritty dark time in new york right crime in the streets everyone's afraid summer of sam was then so everyone's really on edge and then i feel like 80s new york is when we get to like wall street and ghostbusters right where now we're like the fun greed is good new york right where it's like we survived that and almost like devils right like we survived the the sin and now we've capitalized on it and this one's saying no right and what this does essentially creates lord of the flies just on some random couple of blocks in new york yeah that's it because it doesn't even the weird thing is is this movie doesn't feel new york at all to me what do you think about that rachel it doesn't it feel it's exactly what you guys are saying like it feels like an interpretation of new york what people think new york was well like my uncles that are all midwesterners that like when i moved to la it's like how could you live in a city like that i think that's what they yeah they would have totally 100 and i but the way part of i think why it doesn't feel like new york is because it wasn't shot in new york no It was, filmed, so weird. it was filmed in England. It was filmed yeah. in London. And so it's like a rundown part of Brixton, I think. So it's like, it doesn't feel like New York because nothing really feels like New York. That was part yeah. of what was so great about the 70s New York films, like a lot of Abel Ferreira stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, like Taxi Driver, like you were saying, even like they were filmed in New York. They were just yeah. guerrilla filmed on the streets going out there. So it felt right. And the original right. Death Wish had that. Now this one, it's it's a movie set. This area was used for films. So. There's like a level of claustrophobia that comes from like 70s New York movies because all the high rises. And I mean, even now, like if you go there, like even now it's, there's just everything's on top of each other because it's a metropolitan. Like it's a, met- yeah. sorry, not metropolitan, it's a metropolis. Like that's, everybody lives on top of each other. Every window's got a story and that kind of thing. And what's weird is, yeah, like 
this feels like not New York, but like Queens, like the Burbs area <laughs> where like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, some shit might happen out here. But like it like the set is basically a demilitarized zone. And then, <laughs> yeah, when you remember that it's. Yeah. When you remember that it's England, you're like, oh, wait. And I remember reading, actually, that they picked this, like you're saying, they picked this part of uh, England specifically because it looked like New York. And I'm like, not really. Like, it has this, like, it's like just because, like, buildings are next to each other, that makes it New York. (laughs) But not even in that regard, right? Like, architecture is, because there is this thing in 70s New York, like, you just can't set decorate for the the kind of lived in griminess of the subway and things no. like that, right? Mm-hmm. No. It just be it has a feel you can never replicate, right? Right. But even taking that aside, this doesn't even feel like Earth, <laughs> right? Does that make sense? Like this is. <laughs> and to me, I was like, this could have been the movie Predators, right? Where it's like, we'll just take some old whites. And everything they're afraid of will surround them, right? Like, right. you know, it's like a Twilight Zone. Like, their imagination is creating their own attackers. Yeah. And it's, it's so strange because he comes into the airport and he just immediately is like, let's go. And he's flying in there. And once they hit there, almost nothing ever plays in reality. There's a weirdness to this film. Because, again, the first one is a man who's not a vigilante, who's driven mad, and he's taking out. You know, these people one-on-one. It's kind of a small ordeal. Like you said, this is an actual war zone, yeah. right? And there, there are scenes where cops are driving by and, you know, peop- like gangs are chasing cop cars away. And the yeah. cops are just like, ah! <laughs> so right. it, the, the funniest thing I thought about this movie was the painstaking lengths they went to to justify all of the vigilante murder. Uh, mm-hmm. Rachel, I thought this was one of the funniest repetitive bits in the movie was the consistent showing a failure of everything that is supposed to protect us so that we're so in for the murder. What did you yeah. make of that? <laughs> oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's true. They like make, they make a point to like try to justify it in a weird way, you know, like, Oh, all these cops are out on the street and we've increased this and like, okay, so what's been the impact? And like, Oh, crime is up 11%. <laughs> Just completely failing to do anything and you know no weapons are allowed which is like no guns i guess like guns are illegal which you can read into that that's a whole sort of other kind of a second amendment propaganda thing that you can read into that part of it but uh yeah it's like all the programs that are set up to help you know these quote-unquote normal civilian people they're failing them so we, we need to condone this vigilante killer who's yeah. gonna come in single-handedly and clean up the streets i mean it was wild like they even have the scene where the old jewish couple's like not our only defenses and the oh, exactly like, give me that gun and you're going to jail it's like if you look right out the window <laughs> yeah, the, it's insane it's so weird like that part particularly <laughs> is just like one of those things where you're like because i was thinking to myself I'm like are the cops in on it maybe like are they getting like a kickback from the gangs because that's why they like bust the old jewish guy with the gun is mm-hmm. like specifically because like well then he can't protect himself and of course like literally like i was i was texting griffey i'm like this movie is just like transactional like somebody <laughs> does some like there's that's the best way i can describe like how i've reacted to this entire movie is just like wow that guy did something bad in front of charles bronson literally the next scene he dies like without oh, yeah. pro- like without any like 
no skulking or anything like that. No like cool usual vigilante thing. It's literally like Charles Bronson buys a fucking elephant gun and blows him away. Like, <laughs> All right, yeah. well, that's it. But like even that scene, so they take the they take the family's uh like they like they take the guy's gun away. Literally the next scene is them breaking into his house. I'm like are the uh, that's why I was like are the cops in on it or something? Like is there some no, bit man, that I missed the system where like failed. Like, right like i was like but there's got to be a bit here where i missed maybe like the cops are like getting a kickback from is that guy's name manny with the haircut oh uh fraker fraker wow fraker. Real? yeah the gangster yeah Good the Lord. like leader yeah fraker ridiculous am i right <laughs> <laughs> rachel what are you with this this constant failing of the system though i thought that was so funny because you kind of hit on it this film is the one where they went Fully Second Amendment propaganda. Oh, 100%. The, the first one is a should a man. He has that moment in the first one, right? Where he's like, what do you call us now if we're not pioneers, right? If bad things happen and we don't protect ourselves. And his goofy ass son-in-law, who he just disowns, I guess, is like civilized, question mark. Mm-hmm. And this movie is throwing that out the window. That old Jewish couple scene in particular is wild because they take the gun and they do this classic Second Amendment argument where it's like, take our guns. We'll do it with booby traps. Yeah, <laughs> we'll home alone it. Well, we're Kevin McAllister. Yeah, oh Kevin I'm McAllister. so glad you just said that because in my notes I actually wrote, did Kevin McAllister watch Death Wish 3 and then come up with all the booby traps for the uh... – I was like, is this some weird tie-in to Home Alone? You can maybe double <laughs> yeah. feature this, you know? Totally. No, it's – yeah, it's they just take it to a whole new level because, yeah, no, you're right. In the first one, it's that balance of like, OK, the system that's supposed to protect me has failed it. So what do I do? Like, do I just live with that? And, or like, do I you know, he's struggling with that choice and what to do about it. But this one, it's just it's turned up to 11, you know, just like <laughs> in Spinal Tap, it's turned all the way up. And they yeah, you can probably read into it, but I really don't think this film is that deep you know no. there's a lot that you can probably like take, <laughs> take from it and analyze there's plenty I, to glean and have that like yeah. i mean the mailing the mailing of the guns the in mailing of, of itself the guns. just like i get it like yeah. you can get guns really easily through the internet and at least now the internet and then then you know you just mail in for a gun yeah okay. but this was this was different though so that's something i wanted to ask you about specifically rachel sure the, the evolution of paul mm-hmm by the time we've hit Death Wish 3, I feel like this is not even close to the same character. It's not. So the it's... journey of Paul has become way darker at this point. Where, what do you think about where Paul finds himself in this one? It's darker and sadder. And it's sad because it also kind of mirrors Charles Bronson himself in a lot of ways, which is really sad to me. Because he never wanted to be this guy. He never wanted to be this character, you know? And he kind of got typecast in this role. And he did it for a paycheck. But he never liked it. He, like, never liked the gratuitous violence. And he actually got really mad at the director, Michael Winner, because there was, like, some scenes that were filmed without him on set that he didn't know would be in the film. And then they were put in there, and he was like, I told you I didn't want this, like, gratuitous gore and stuff. But he put it in there anyways. And 
but in Paul Kersey, the character is very similar. Like in the first one, he's a liberal. He's like, oh, what do they call it when he conscious bleeding heart, con- yeah, yeah bleeding heart, objector. conscientious objector, and bleeding was heart. against like guns and everything. But he kind of comes to it in a weird way as like his only option. But this one, yeah, he's mailing guns to himself. The cop basically tells him like. We're either going to arrest you or you do this for us. He, like, blackmails him into cleaning up the streets out of the bad guys. Yeah. Again, horrible failure of law enforcement is literally like, listen, we don't feel like dealing with any of this. So do you just want to go live there and we want to arrest you if you murder people constantly? Yeah. If if you could just kill all these people, that would be great. (laughs) Like, we won't stop you. So you just go do your thing and, like, no big deal, right? It's just murder. Like, you've already done it, like, a hundred times. Yeah, I love the part when he's like, if you could just let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know when it happens so we can take the credit. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's a really strange thing. I was actually watching it and my my wife walked in and... I was just like, it's weird because this seems like oddly 2021 almost. Like, this is just like eerily. I mean, to be honest with you, like, you're telling me that this isn't like how we're just hitting almost this weird effect of now everybody's like, oh, well, I need a good. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I had a director out here. I was working on a TV show. <laughs> I had a director out here. He's like, it was right before the election. He's like, I took my wife to a shooting range. I bought her a gun. Like, I taught her how to use it. And I'm like, do you really think in fucking Southern California, people are going to, like, rise up all of a sudden? But it got me thinking, like, there is the extreme belief right there. And there's, like, the conceit yeah. of, like, this odd form of, like, considered vigilantism because it wouldn't take that much. But I agree yeah, Paul Kersey is such a different character in Death Wish 1 and then Death Wish 3's and he got paid a million and a half dollars to do it. I yeah. don't I don't know if Charles Bronson says more than 85 words in the entire movie. Like that scene when he's like that scene when he's like post coitus with the public defender. I'm like, "Oh, is that what Charles Bronson sounds like in this movie?" Like I had not heard him speak past that other than yeah. describing the guns he had bought. But so see, that's like that's the thing is that this it's is very the movie weird. Yeah, this is the movie where they go, this is your uncle's wet dream movie, right? (laughs) This is what every uncle imagines their calling in life is. is I'm going to be called to whoop someone's ass, beat up the young punks. I'm Mm going to clean up the streets because I'm from the older generation, the better generation. Also, there will just be beautiful, attractive, smart women that just chase me down in a cab to roll around in the sack. And it's like, when it got to that part, when he's just... So the lady just saw him all ruffled up, right, in a jail yeah. cell. And she's like, hmm. Chased him down. And she's like, I know we're not legally bound, but sex, maybe? Oh, and he's like, gosh. all right, I guess. And I was yeah. like, oh, my God. This is so playing to the audience. They know is loving this. You can oh, just 100%. imagine your uncle with a Absolutely. beer on his stomach going, oh, yeah. <laughs> this movie's made for that set of uncles and literally no one else. Like... <laughs> They knew who was going to show up at the theater. That's really all this boils down to. And that and that is like part of the Bronson appeal. Like I love Charles Bronson. Let's just oh, yeah. like I am obsessed. Right behind me, I've got like a bunch of Charles Bronson like tapes and stuff and in my office. Like I love him. And I think part of his appeal is he's just so generic. 
He really, he's so just like the quote unquote every man, right? right? Like, just like you were saying, it's your uncle's movie. Like it could be, you know, your dad's friend. Like he's, there's nothing particularly really special about him, which is what makes him so special in these roles and so relatable for so many people. Like you were saying, this right. is a big uncle male fantasy. Like, oh, this, this beautiful, talented, like, prosecutors yeah is gonna chase me down and be like hey i like right. you that's yeah. nice and everybody else is gonna cheer me on in the streets when i'm gunning right. down young kids everyone is like, like a huge fan of this guy in the neighborhood like it yeah. is i gotta tell you like mildly uncomfortable watching the movie where people are literally like yeah like they see him blow someone away mm -hmm. and like it turns it like cuts to um the older guy not the not martin balsam but the older guy who lives alone and mm -hmm. like cuts to him and he goes, yes, like, <laughs> smi like this smile of like, perfect. Now the, now, now this, now this, this, this guy will clean up the streets. So you're like, yeah. wow, all these people are there, like, it's insane. They, they laid a good groundwork for that though. Cause I think that's one of the things they actually did pretty well. Like even before he rolls in the sack and has his wrestle with the lawyer, right? Mm -hmm. right. She's like, someone just did that do something. Like she's even a lawyer. Who's a defender, oh, yeah. and she's essentially like, maybe I get these people out because I want them to get murdered. Like, so you start questioning everything, right? But the scene that right. I was like, wow, that's actually really proficient storytelling, was at the start. So you hear this old man just getting fucked up, right? They're just pounding him, right. yeah. and that enough is because the all the Death Wish movies prey upon that someone who is innocent getting destroyed right and we right. have yeah. an immediate vis visceral reaction this is not right. nearly as horrifying well, it's like as a cursy acquaintance or family member yeah but there's something about innocent. seeing an, an old man right with mm -hmm. his veteran stuff around just getting fucking pummeled and it's not even i mean they're stalking him and they're laughing as they break the windows it's an extra level right yeah but the the thing that really got me is like oh shit there's some next level stuff going on as they're kicking the shit out of him and as we find out murdering him they do these cutaways to all of the neighbors' apartments and these terrified different families sitting there in abject horror, afraid to open their door because everything outside of their apartment is the village of the damned. Yeah. And so they're afraid. And one lady finally is like, maybe I'll call the police. And it's it sets you up right there that the, the, the not only the horror of just this man getting attacked, but they're all getting attacked all the time. Yeah. And they do a really good job because, I mean, I think that's the give you have to – I don't know why in Death Wish it's different again. Because, like, when I watch Commando, I'm like, yeah, they took his daughter. He should kill 500 people. Yeah. I don't know why this one is different, but it feels like they need to do that extra groundwork. Maybe it's because it is so – I don't – it's it really gets to that propaganda phase at times, but maybe I yeah. feel like this movie does a good job of earning it, and maybe Death Wish three works better than Death Wish one for me because it is mm. so cartoonish. Yeah. It reminds me of yeah. the difference of I would imagine I've never shot a human being, right? But I'd imagine that's harder than shooting those mean faced paper targets. You know what I mean? That's what this movie is. They're all mean faced paper targets. Oh, totally. so you can play around a little more. And I think that the the gangs them the creeps themselves, I mean, they're they're caricatures, right? Like they've got this face paint and they've got these symbols and 
they're all just these young punks you know 80s 80s love you know some good punks you know yeah, they did. and boy, these boy, are some of the best so these are yeah. really like exaggerated characters and i think that's what allows the audience you know allows us to kind of disconnect those a little bit whereas like in the first first death wish it was pretty real and visceral which is yeah. why it was unsettling because it felt like the people that Paul Kersey was going after there, there was some conflict about, you know, on the audience's behalf about whether or not they deserved it here. These are just cartoonish style, the worst of the worst. Right. right. And I have a question for you because I've never actually known this. What are these creeps? Like, what is their, what is their racket? What is there? Like, what okay, are... I don't know. And I was going to ask the same question because the guy. So when at the very end, um, f- was it Fraker? Mm-hmm. It's not Manny. Who is Manny in the movie? Somebody's mm-hmm. named Manny. Either way. The, well, the Giggler the with, is the runner. The guy with the yeah. guy, Okay. It's Giggler. See, like, and this is the thing in the middle of the movie. I heard it. I heard it. I heard it wrong. I'm like, mm-hmm. did you just call him Diddler? What's going on here? <laughs> Tiddler, yeah. Very different racket. That's Very a different racket. But it felt like, it was, I was like, is this like a part of the, like, is this like the section of the town that the warriors don't even go to? Like the riffs are like, I don't go over there. Like those guys yeah. are hardcore. Yeah. But like he calls someone, he's like, I need everyone. And I was like, okay, so there is some sort of conglomeration of gangs. Mm-hmm. Well, because they show up as like denim biker gang. Yeah, right. well, there's games. like denim biker gang. There's all the guys who wear red. Like there's a few different. And then there's some guys who are just like random dudes. Yeah. Like I was also spending the entire movie trying to figure out how these guys made their money. I'm assuming it's the drug trade because there's that scene where they all get like really like yacked and yeah. then get ready to go out and like kill. And then they go um, punch that lady in the face and then blow up her car, which, again, <laughs> shocking. Like just like. Just the the sheer transaction of it, I was just like, "Wow, that yeah. happens in a hurry!" Like they yeah. go for it, they go for it every There's chance no, they get. I think in this, this movie. is like the crazy thing about Death Wish Three is that there is no skulking at all. Nobody skulks in this movie. Like Charles Bronson hides behind a corner, pops out, and beats the shit or shoot beats the shit out of someone or shoots someone. But like no one is like hunting anyone. It's just like oh, no. open season. But see, that's yeah. I think to Rachel's point, that's what this movie is, right? Is this is the older generation of real men, right? The best right. generation saying these young fucks who do their hair weird, they dye their hair, piercings, leather pants. I can't stand it. And so this one is different, whereas this is a, not a man aggrieved because he technically is. He lost his old buddy. Right. But again, unlike in the first one, he's not walking around. The first time he kills someone in Death Wish 1, he comes home and almost throws up. He can't imagine right. what he's done mm-hmm. and this one he shows up and he almost has to like put his jacket over his crotch when he finds <laughs> out his friend has been murdered he's like oh boy i'm back and it's it's this horrifying like it's but it's it's this time as a flat circle thing where so right. this is a man who thinks his mission brought crime down and he did all the things right look i set an example new yorkers are fighting people back with their purses whatever he comes back and now sees Everything he did led him to this place where he's a lonely, broken old man who gets murder erections. And he's in this part of town that is literally the island of misfit toys. And he has to confront with his own eyes that that. every single thing he did (laughs) meant nothing. His violence means nothing. Right. And to watch him still 
walk through the streets just smiling, right? Like you say, it's kind of hunting, but in the same way, like a, a carnival game is hunting. Like yeah, you're shooting a target that's just right, right it's there. That in water, front of you. It's that water gun game where all you do is <laughs> like spray the target. Game. Like that's what yeah. this movie is. Like it's just like nonstop, like stream, like no one, there's no strategy to it other than holding your gun still so you can make sure that you like pop the balloon or whatever the game is yeah it's it's a really interesting it's a really interesting version of new york the gangs are very like again i can we please talk about the like symbol they all have to wear on their heads oh yes please because it's, it's not a tattoo <laughs> these guys wow. have to do applications for it every morning with the paint mm-hmm it I, is it looks like lipstick right kind of yeah. yeah it is this like kind of peculiar thing and and again like that's another code to our uncles they're wearing makeup this is this like 70s <laughs> right? thing though like because they're punks so they're wearing but you're not yeah. wrong because they're punks they're wearing makeup and it is like you're right it is this like sort of signal to the chosen demographic for this movie hey these punks are going to get it. You know who they will because yeah. they got makeup on and they deserve it. And they're all wearing leather. And that one guy is wearing a chain up his butt. Like it's <laughs> that guy was my favorite, by the way. He literally I mean, he was very spryly for a guy who had a, a metal chain up his ass. I was yeah. very <laughs> impressed. I love Maybe that like, gives you motivation to run more. I don't know. He was my favorite punk by far. But um, well, what did you make of the the symbol on the face, Rachel? I mean, I love it. I, I I love it in the movie. Like, I think it works so well. And it's such a fun, like, it's part of what has made this movie such like a cult film. Because there's so many people that really enjoy it. And it, I mean, it adds to that. It gives it that kitsch, you know. Yeah. And I mean, there's a whole, so there's, there's a whole skateboard brand called Death Wish. And it's a skateboard brand. And that's their logo. Really? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? No. Seriously? I, yeah. Yeah, you couldn't just awesome. look at me and Alex and tell that we are the furthest skater, you can skater. possibly be from skate culture. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm incredibly savvy. I'm a lord of Dogtown. I just so, assume yeah. if you have to look up a skateboard's weight limit, you're not allowed to be part of the culture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I just, I never even tried. So it's like a, it's like an iconic thing that they created with wow. that. It's really simple, but like that. I mean, just the fact that. Even now, you know, in 2021, there's a skateboard brand that has that. And like, That's you know, cool. skate culture is often kind of, right. you know, pushed to the side for, you know, as like punks and whatever. So there's a yeah. lot of tie in there. And so I think that as silly as it sounds, those markings and those clothes and stuff, it really, it just, it works and it works on a lot of ways. And it's also just so awesome to look at. It is. Yeah. It's. I mean, I love and I love the main guy because he's got the one all the way down his head. Exactly. He's got the reverse. He's got the inverse Mr. T. Yeah, the reverse mohawk is very yeah. interesting. I'll be honest. If I don't think I've ever seen Mr. T's hair. He would have one normal head of hair. <laughs> That's the haircut he went with. Other than the guy from the Prodigy, I don't think I've ever seen anyone with a reverse mohawk before. And that I'm was... the fire starter. Well, he was the fire starter, but he is the fire starter. <laughs> yeah, it's but so no, funny. I I just, thought, oh, sorry, Rachel. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I just want to be in on those like wardrobe meetings, and they're like, "Should we give him a mohawk?" And they're like, "No, let's do the opposite." Opposite. Yeah. yeah. They're just <laughs> like, like, just just fuck him up. We got to make our day. Let's yeah. go. Come on. Shave your head after. <laughs> I want to know the origin of that symbol. Like, how they came up with that? Like, because I thought. My Equals thought was slash. 
But right. But like my thought was, do you think maybe because if they revert, let's say they shaved his head, they did the reverse mohawk thing first. I'm mm-hmm. like, how cool would it be if it ended up being that that fucking guy it was like drawing down it's like back of his head like fatal attraction just yes yes now i become the man now i become him like everyone else is taking this so seriously and then charles bronson shows like listen this is the charles bronson show all right i fucking blow motherfuckers away and i am i am loved for it yeah and i wear a sweater while doing it and yeah i know he's like an old sailor yeah like he's from the lighthouse yeah it's interesting Cause I was that like that scene where he's putting his shirt on. I thought the I thought about this because Rachel brought up like the everyman quality that Charles mm-hmm. Bronson has, and yeah, I was like, wow. If this movie was made now, like I mean, I know the remake came out and everything like that, but like let's say like the first Death Wish came out now, it would have to be like a ripped guy, mm-hmm. and Charles Bronson is just like still ripped. a dude. Like that's yeah. how dare you? I was gonna say Charles Bronson has point... never just been a dude. He is 64, so cut him some slack. No, no, he looks great. (laughs) It's more just, like, shocking that I'm like, wow, he is just, like, a guy. Like, he's not just bursting out of his shirt or anything. Right. Yeah. He's got that old man strength, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. back in the day, he was ripped. And I guarantee you, he was still working out and still really strong. Dirty Dozen, for sure, is, like, Bronson ripped days. Age yeah. is trying to destroy him, and he's like, never! And he just keeps doing never. crunches and push-ups. He That's what he looks like. stubborn as hell. And, you know, in his real <laughs> life, he is. He never gave it up. He made so many good movies, and he made so many bad movies. But he never gave he up to the wow. very end. I didn't realize this was such a mere journey to his real life. <laughs> it really is, because it's like... I don't know why he he did have a contract. I think is why he kept doing like these ones. He had to make three films for Michael Winner, I believe. But okay. even later, it's like I don't know. Maybe he just wanted something to do, you know. Especially after Jill Ireland, you know, passed away. I think he just it was right. a distraction, and he just kept churning them out. Yeah, well, I read for he didn't even want to do this one. They were going to recast it with Chuck Norris. Oh my which, god! Which you know what? would have still worked it would have been fine yeah although chuck norris said it was too violent for his taste was like all right octagon i feel like there's <laughs> i don't i don't want to just say it's i don't know what it is exactly about chuck norris and i don't think it can just be that he's a ginger <laughs> i this is not to sound horrible to my ginger friends but i remember the first time i saw uh what was it him and bruce lee fighting and god damn i can't the way of the dragon whatever that movie is and when they lined up side by side, I was just like, yeah, he can't beat Bruce Lee. He has red hair. It's impossible. He mm. doesn't look right. And there's something about, <laughs> sorry, all of our red haired fans. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just all, everybody just turned it off, man. It is, when they take the shirt off and they're so extra pasty, it's just, it's not. Don't double down. Jesus. I love our ginger friends. I'm just saying I wouldn't replace Charles Bronson. There is a dark broodingness to because Bronson is a great everyman. But right. I think his exceptional extra quality mm-hmm. is that there is a twinkle, like a Santa Claus twinkle in his eyes, where it looks like he wishes he was a happy man, but he has this weathered, hardcore face. Yes. And I think he's just like this yes. tough guy who wishes he was kind of he, like an overweight, jolly guy. He wishes and I think he that, were happy man. He wishes yes. he was happy. Yes, he wishes he was just like a happier He wishes he man. was happy. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, because then he wouldn't have to be the, the fucking genie of death just granting wishes. He could just be like, 
everyone else chilling on their couch and just, you know, watching TV till it goes away. And so there's that extra twinkle. And Chuck Norris has no twinkle. Mm -hmm. Chuck Norris was in some movies I enjoy, but Chuck Norris is essentially a karate pad prop. Like Chuck (laughs) Norris does not have soul or chops. And I think weirdly for a movie, it's, it's hard to like draw the line at artistic integrity at Death Wish 3. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I think this is above Chuck Norris's chops level. I think it is. I really yeah. think it is. I'm sorry for the red hair thing. I take it back. <laughs> it's the twinkle in the eyes that's not there. I'll t- uh, that's where I'll go. <laughs> I, I, I think that there's something to that. And I think that they they that's what the the love interests try to play in, in all these Death Wish films. Because in every one, there's an unfortunate female <laughs> in them. But just the fact that he, like, tries to keep having relationships, it's like, good for yeah. you. You're getting back out there. You're trying again. <laughs> like, sure, your first wife was raped and murdered. And sure, your second wife was, you know, raped and murdered. <laughs> like, But, you know, Damn. these things happen. And this one just you. took him to get the mail and instead of going straight to wherever the all-night diner was. And that's what happened. Did he not yeah. think, hey, maybe don't stay in the car like just stay by me come inside for a minute yeah or, i'm sure the mail can wait it's mail it stays there <laughs> well, no because he's a fucking psychopath who gets his specialty sexy named gun sent to him yeah oh, wildy's coming when wildy's here it's gonna be a party <laughs> that makes him a fucking psychopath <laughs> that yeah. was my favorite gun reveal the it's... the bit was so good oh, i kept gosh. thinking wildy was going to be like a hacker some kind of planner, some kind of tactical guy. And it's just a gigantic. Yeah, I guess they wouldn't have had hackers in the 80s. Whatever a fucking 80s hacker is, I don't know, binocular guy. With a fucking giant handheld elephant gun. I loved, I loved the description. Him describing it to everyone and every, like and ev- everyone in the apartment complex is just like totally above and on board. It's like, cool, he's got an elephant gun. There's an elephant gun in the neighborhood. They had an HOA meeting where they rolled those fucking (laughs) old people down to that apartment, propped them up so he could be like, yeah, I'm just going to kill them with this giant gun where I make my own bullets. Also, every (laughs) single one of these, I, I mean, I know that like the gang is the gang. It is what it is. But like all of them are the worst criminals of all time. Like the baiting is so obvious and i'm like mm-hmm. guys every like if i was the leader of that gang i'd be like guys he's obviously baiting you just leave it alone like who knows what like this guy shot two of our members in cold blood just for looking at his car like yeah. let's not and then he like well how about that he fucking twills the nikon camera around like it's a cane yeah no he specifically <laughs> bought a car in an empty nikon camera bag yeah. To murder them. This is a very different stage of fucking psychopath in this movie. Oh, yeah. It's all very, like, planned out. Like, he knows exactly what he's doing in this one. Yeah, and he look, is very, very, very well-versed in deception. And that's why I'm always just like, what are these, you know, these these gang members doing because it seems like they're just stealing stuff like it doesn't you never you never see them like selling drugs or like they're taking drugs yeah they're taking drugs they take protection money and purses i guess yeah they like just harass older people for money and like just steal stuff and 
don't actually do anything. And I'm sure there's a lot you could unpack from, you know, that, like the older generation, all these older people living in things, and they're just like getting all this stuff taken from this younger generation right. who's refusing to work and just refusing to do anything. They can't even <laughs> deal drugs right, you know? They're just yeah. having to steal empty Not Nikon your own bags. supply, guys. That's rule of one. Yeah. Rule your one. own supply. But no, Rachel, let me ask you about this. It didn't really leap out to me till much later in the film. Mm-hmm. But these this gang feels coded young. Oh like yeah, young teenagers to me. Fucking Alex Winter. Yeah, I was yeah. I mean, Alex, Alex Winter is like an eternally youthful looking guy, and this was when he was actually youthful. Right. He yeah. looks like a Peter Pan, right? What do it's... you make of that? That's not a. Don't laugh, Alex. That's not a rude thing. <laughs> I already have the ginger contingent right after me. I love gingers. <laughs> love them. That's uh, a good comment. But I just, I just said, what did you make of him? Just running around wasting kids. Because in the first Death Wish, the controversy was this is a very rich white guy running around and gunning down a lot of minorities. None of them who are the ones that got his family. This one is very different where it's old man just shooting down and out. Because to your point, there's not necessarily a great criminal motive. This just feels like, because where are these kids' families? Where are their parents? These feel like lost, homeless kids. Totally. Run amok. What did you make of him wasting children like that? <laughs> Lots of them. Oh, I loved it. Loved no. Yeah, are you pro murder? Are you pro are you pro children murder? Tell us on this podcast, Rachel. It is very strange. Like the whole thing, like Oh god. And I think that's why they have to have this Fraker guy be like the leader, because there has to be like some sort of adult in charge. And I yeah. think the drugs play into that too to like really hammer home that like, no, these are bad guys, you know. Right. But yeah, especially Alex Winter. Alex Winter is the youngest one. And then there's also like a, a woman in the group too that she looks pretty young as well. Yeah. And right. It is very strange that he's just openly just he doesn't even go and like try to talk to them. Like you would think <laughs> no, like he, he would like go help. to like one of the younger kids and be like, All right, listen, what are you doing? Like, yeah. come on, you can turn your life around. Like that is, is really, like, like that older guy paint <laughs> with a broad brush beat where it's just like, I don't care. You you fucked up. Yeah. Just you're written off, like you're done. Yeah. Like no hey, no hey. hope of yeah. turning your life around. <laughs> Tell your friends at the playground. Starting tomorrow, I'm going to be firing this elephant gun. Don't show up, and we'll all be cool. He never yeah. does that. He wants no. to fucking kill No them. word of yeah. warning. He just do wants you guys, to kill. You guys remember in Aladdin, right? They do that whole segment about how the wristbands on the genie are like this trap, right? Great cosmic power, but you're little itty bitty home, and you're fucking mm-hmm. stuck, right? And that's the symbol of it. That's the vibe I got from Charles Bronson, right? Maybe it's the wish thing that kept hanging me up. Wow. But I was like, he's this fucking sad genie. He's stuck in this little shitty apartment in New York. Yeah. And he's just like, all right, if you come here, you have a wish and you're getting dead. And like, that's the whole, he doesn't try at all. No, at all all. to help any kids. That's a great point. I never thought of that. There's not a moment where he asks any, like even the kid he tosses the ice cream to. Mm -hmm. If that kid had said, fuck you, would he have turned around and shot shot him? him? Yeah. <laughs> probably you ungrateful little kid yeah well they try <laughs> to get for free they try to allude to him having some form of like i wouldn't say remorse but some form of conviction in that scene when he's talking with the public defender after they after they uh fook and they're sitting there having this conversation and 
I remember just I, I just watching it. I was sitting there and just like, this just seems like bullshit. Like this guy is just. I'm like, this is a the worst pillow talk ever. But like, he sees almost this. What's interesting about like? I mean, she I gets think he really, got her fired up with it. So right. It well, he gets her super fired up before <laughs> they go to bed because she's like, I've had it with like defending people who don't deserve defense and all this other kind of shit. Like she is like the mouthpiece of New York City itself at that time. And Charles Bronson That's a poor is, phrasing. That's a poor phrasing. Why? Either way. <laughs> and then Charles Bronson is the counterpoint, which is like, listen, you either pick up a gun and go for it, or you just like sit back and wait. But like, that's it is this the really... scene when he's 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 essentially walking her into the corner, right? Yeah. Where he's mm-hmm. trying to get her to admit that he's he's lawyering the lawyer. And that's the other one too, where I was like, Oh, they're going full uncle fantasy when he's like yeah, I like opera. I dig it a lot. And I was like, oh, yeah. they're doing the barbarian with the heart, the soulful artist soul, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's to, like, yeah. he's like, nah, just kidding. I'm a real man. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't like that shit. Who are you kidding? Well, they yeah. cut his ma- They cut his like fatal attraction, Madam Butterfly scene where he's just, Eek. yeah, and just like turning the light on and off inside his apartment. As soon as he says, no, just kidding. I hate opera. She's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> And that's when it's on. That's when he had her. I, oh my gosh! I, that's when he yes. drops the gavel. No oh. further questions, Your Honor. Like I've seen a lot of bad movies, and I love Charles Bronson, but yeah. the kissing in this movie Ooh, good is Lord. the most awkward. And it's so short, but it's like the most awkward two kisses I've like ever seen in my life. <laughs> My wife never notices this kind of shit, and she said the exact same thing when we were watching. It like we were watching, zooms just, in, <laughs> and it's like just a short little. It's so weird. I mean, his his stash is just wispy thin at this point. Like, yeah, I was gonna say his mustache is not nearly as beefy weird. as I remember. Yeah, he always had a pretty lame mustache, but he was so cool. It worked. Yeah. yeah. At this point, when he's older, and they do, Rachel, you really brought up something that i laughed at 50 times because they do it a lot in the final war they do these zoom ins on his face where it's like you guys measured it wrong you went like three clicks too far (laughs) it's just and it's like just his upper lip and his eyebrow it's like what are you doing stop he's too old for that like pull back every 10 years pull back a foot there were a couple of like there were a couple of action shots where i was just like Oh, so we didn't get another take of that. Okay, well, that's nope, fine. That's then we'll just move. Yeah. Like when he throws that guy off the roof, I'm just like, so we're just, awesome. we, we were not going to get a second take, huh? Just no. didn't have time. We're running out of daylight. We got to go. It's they in the actually middle killed of the- that actor, so they only had one shot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like oh, in the wow. middle, of, like the shots in the middle of that the night, like, sorry, we're running out of daylight. Right? Like, dude, we're in the middle of the night. You don't want to get one more of us throwing a guy off the roof. Yeah, we're fine. Yeah. Now, I will say, like, this is the best finale out of any of the Death Wish films. Oh my like, god, yes. It's, oh. It is just I mean, yeah, it's I don't I'm speech I'm literally speechless. It's my like, favorite. It's honestly my favorite uh Fraker's death is my favorite death in any movie ever now, I think. Mm, that's amazing. They, they set Fraker up too cuz he has a weird right before this finale which I feel like just goes By on the way, forever. That, the gun the gun pan is one of my new favorite shots in a movie. Like when he like t- turns toward um turns toward the cop, 
I was like, whoa, that is a cool shot, man. Yeah. yeah. That is a fucking rad shot. But that they had to give him something like that, a big flourish of death, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought for a second they were going to go with like a they live six minute fist fight, right? Like, <laughs> guns are over. Because he's trying to reload. And I was like, man to man, right? We're going <laughs> to we're gonna beat that makeup off your foot. I thought it was going to be one of those endings, right? Because Freaker for how cowardly he is, right? He's always making these kids do his thing. Here, do all these drugs and go fight Charles Bronson. Oh, shit, you got thrown off a roof. And you're dead, right? <laughs> like, right. they're doing a lot of that. But he has this twist where he, there's that scene, especially when he gets the the restaurateur's wife and he's like, hey, yeah. come home. Your wife's in trouble. And they pull back and he's already sliced her throat. And it's that's not the, the first time we see him kill the drug guy who's trying to be the new gang leader. You're like, all right, that's gang shit. That was a really nefarious extra moment. And this is when you start seeing that is the one time the movies maybe slightly pulls back from propaganda as they're like. Everything that Paul has brought here is death and destruction for a lot more people than the fucking targets, right? And so when we get to the finale, he had to go out with a proverbial bang. And I still still had no idea this was coming. It's one of those, it's so fucking obvious when he says, this is the rocket at arms three feet away. It's well, it just like, obviously, that's large. for the crowd. That's for the Absolutely. like the horde, the barbarian yeah. hordes coming down the street. Oh, I thought sure. that was going to be, yeah, the biker gang or something. Totally. And as soon as he whips that thing out and fucking obliterates him out. And then there's that really funny thing where they made the, like, outline of a body and smoking rubble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, his leather still burning. I fucking, I honestly was, like, spasming on my couch. Yeah. Laughing and cheering. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I was it was I could not stop laughing. (laughs) It was one of my like I thought so and then on top of that, like a whole side of the building explodes. Oh yeah. Are any of the neighbors who were happy Paul was there (laughs) still happy? Because like now the building's just destroyed. Like it's over with. Like they have to move now. Like that is their windows were already blown out, so it was fine. Windows had already gotten rock fighted, but yeah, that death that like it's so funny. I'm sorry, like I know it, like it has a meaning to it in the movie, but like that Maybe. is just like that is Benny. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what other word I don't know what other word to use. <laughs> well, no, because you feel like, and that's the other thing, they gave you a second chance to know it was gonna happen because he shoots him, mm-hmm. he's like bulletproof, just like yours. And I remember being like, here we go, here's the fist fight, and I. As soon as he shot the rocket, I was like, God damn it. They just kept telling me. I couldn't believe it got me. And it it led to a euphoric reaction. But yeah, this is the there's a really cool shot, too. They did right before this. Right. And it's when Freaker is uh, right after he killed that restaurateur's wife, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that shot because that's the scene when he looks out the window. Right. Normally it's the tenants looking out and being like, ah, criminals. He looks out the window and he sees happy, normal life. Yeah. Right. Civilians and ladies and families are walking around with grocery bags. Right. Everything's normal. And now he's the one who's pigeonholed. So, you know, this big explosive ending is coming and they spared no expense. It looks like on uh, stunt doubles who jump off buildings. (laughs) I mean, it is a lot of fucking jumping off buildings and it's awesome. I mean, some of them are dummies because there was a shot, especially I remember he shot a guy. And you're like, oh, that's a shitty dummy. And the next guy's just, 
hurls himself off. You're like, holy yeah. shit. <laughs> I think, I mean, that's that's canon for you. I mean, this is a canon film. And yes, like, this, sure. yeah. you know, if there's something that canon knows how to do, it's just have ridiculous explosions and people flying off of buildings and just completely ridiculous action sequences. You know, dialogue, maybe not quite their strong suit. Morality, <laughs> Not quite their strong suit. But like, What's morality just, when you can pay people to jump off buildings? No, man. totally. But like incredible action sequences and lots of stunt people on your, you know, in your Rolodex. Like, yeah, they got yeah. it. Well, they <laughs> had people they jumping out of that fucking burning building. Yeah. Yeah. There's a guy who like does a flip off the 30 foot tall peak of that flaming set. And I was like, I was, we, we worked on sets before and I was just watching. I was like. That is so wildly uns like. There's no way they made that quote unquote safe. Oh no! That guy looks like he's trying to flee, right? Yeah. More than he's doing a stunt. He's like, oh fuck! This is way more fire than they said. But, yeah. Yeah, because the gang just comes in and they're like, hey, we're motorcycle guys. Yeah. And you're like, oh <laughs> shit! Like I thought it was gonna be a little more, because Bronson pulls out his friend's machine gun, the super machine gun, and you're like, okay. We'll have that, but then it's going to come back down to a more elephant gun level. Right. Oh, no, 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 no. It, it, not at all. You have people no. flipping motorcycles. I mean, the stunts are, we'll never be able to do it justice just here. Like, you have to. You have it, to It watch really it. is a yeah. stunning array of, of vignettes they put together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, Michael Winner, he's, I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if he is a winner, but he definitely, like, <laughs> Isn't afraid to just go for it. Actually, I think Michael Winner's, I mean, honestly, kind of a piece of shit, but he definitely just goes for it and he makes the most out of pretty much anything he's ever been involved he certainly in. Certainly made the most out of the eight and a half million dollars left out of the budget after Charles Bronson. Oh, totally. Was yeah. Yeah. It's like, all right, we got that and let's just like build the rest around it. Like that's that's really like the linchpin for the whole film. Like if I mean, they had Bronson, the rest is secondary. Yeah, the rest whatever. comes like it literally is just like it's literally like a guy holing up in a castle and just like the hordes the hordes come at him. That's it. Yeah. Like and I don't know what else you necessarily obviously like Death Wish One stands alone in some respect. But as far as like understanding like the Death Wish movies and what you're going to expect from them Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I necessarily needed much more than that. Like, no, totally. it's weird because we do live in this time of like kind of needing more when it comes to just straight action movies. Like there needs to be a little more provocation and so on and so forth. But I got to tell you, I was like thoroughly entertained the entire time, even though I kind of was like the whole premise here seems murky, but I am very strapped in yeah. for this ride. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, it, it wouldn't work on its own. Like if you called this something no. else, it wouldn't work, but it's part of the death wish franchise. Like they've already built this character. They've right. already like been working towards this. Like the second one is definitely like a good middle ground, I think in, you know, on its way to this. Mm -hmm. And I think like any immediate sequel has like some obligation to the first one, but by the third one, I mean, you think of the third movie in any franchise, like that's really where you have the opportunity to like, go a lot of different ways right. and this one really just was like all right we're gonna go down this road and we're gonna go down <laughs> it fast <laughs> yeah i was gonna ask you what do you so michael winner directed the first three right yeah 
So it's really strange because this one, I would never have believed this was the same director as Death Wish one. And it's it's a it's a real question with me is in that. What is it? Almost a decade between the first one and this one. Mm -hmm. What is Michael Winner trying to say or get out of this? Right. And it. It's so strange because as it mirrors Charles Bronson's real life, it's like, I wonder if there's a part of this, right? There's that great character, uh, Bennett, right? The the little old man who's helping out. And he yeah. has the scene when he's like, you fucking punks. And he tries to go out and defend himself. Mm -hmm. The gun doesn't fire, right? And I was like, that's a very on-the-nose impotence kind of, you know, reference. He doesn't have what it takes anymore. He's not up to the challenge. And watching those kids pass him down and just fucking beat him up and throw him off that thing, it's fucking brutal. Totally. And to see that character plead to Charles Bronson, right? The slightly younger man he wishes he was. Just like, go on, help. Take him out. They're still there. The other gun's still there, right? His mm -hmm. gun all of a sudden works magically. His his bullets aren't too old to work. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I wondered if there was a little bit of Michael Winner and Bennett, right? That maybe there's something he had, maybe the first one he was grappling with the concept of this. And by this time he's like, I am fully pro death wishing people. I think he's, yeah, maybe I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think he was pro cashing those checks. Right. I for think sure. <laughs> Absolutely. But like because, not even to, 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 there's no even attempt to give this one an artistic coding. Right. Yeah, no, totally. And I think, I think that he was capitalizing on the trend. It's funny when you think about like what else is coming out at this time. Cause I was like I looked it up because I was curious, but you've also got Cocoon and Batteries Not Included <laughs> also came out like so Cocoon came out in 85 and Batteries right. Not Included came out in 87. <laughs> so you've got these like senior citizen like films, yeah. you know, and then you've also got like the wake of all these like punk films, you yeah, know, like. Yeah. The Warriors and the class of 1984, you Streets know, and of like rage. The, yeah, yeah, and like the rise of like just horror in general and trauma films and like all this kind of stuff. So it's like he just kind of took everything in and put it in a blender and just like, sure, why sure. not? That's a way to put it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It is take, like a blender of a lot of from things. The 70s, mm -hmm. put him in a cocoon of an apartment. <laughs> yeah right and have him just fighting back against this new world he hates yeah and they're like streets of rage and like class of 84 those are the two that leapt to my mind there is a real safety in the cartoonish nature of this right yes totally but you can feel there there is a real hatred of these younger characters yeah you know, they really hate these characters a lot <laughs> and i i mean i do think that you see some of michael winter's kind of old man parts his aspects come out because like Alex Winter, he was in a documentary and he talked a lot about like how much he kind of hated making this film. And like he was supposed to be in the scene where he was uh where what's her name? Marina Sirtis. Yeah. Diana like, Diana it, Troy. Yeah, like where she has like her rape scene. Like he was Alex Winter was supposed to be in that. And he basically was like, nah, dude, that's fucking not cool. Like this is my first movie. I'm good. Even though, I mean, yeah. it worked out for Jeff Goldblum, but, right. you know, good on Jesus. young little baby boy Alex Winter for saying no. But it, the fact that they still put that in there, it's like, oh, it's a Death Wish film. Gotta, it's gotta, gotta squeeze that rape in there. And like, it's I also, actually... It's, it's why? Why is that scene in there? 
Oh, I don't know. I see. That's why I, I think. I think it really came down to like they're like, all right, this is what Death Wish is. Here's our checklist. All right, gotta check these things off. So I think that. I mean, I honestly think that's what it comes down to. I don't disagree. It lacks any thematic merit and like does yeah. not move the plot forward. Like no. especially because she's already been harassed twice by these guys. We totally. Yeah. Like, there's nothing about her. Like if she'd just been like straight up murdered. Yeah. Well, also, she I mean, never talks to Charles Bronson. I think her husband says, hey, thank you for her. Yeah, no, the right. husband and replaces thanks and her in like the that. plot. But, I mean, again, it just doesn't do much. No. I think, and this is, I think, like, the symptom of the movie itself being the third. And like you were saying, like, it's a blender of all these things. But like Griffey was saying, too, this reaction of, like, the every man that Charles Bronson represents the every man that Paul Kersey is for the guys going to see this movie in, was it 84? 85. Yeah. 85. The guy's going to see this movie in 85. It is like, it is this weird thing where they see all this. It's just like an added flavor and almost like this weird thing of, well, obviously they're bad. Like it's a doubling down that doesn't need to be doubled down on. Yeah, like it's totally. a strange thing to yeah. do because like it's almost like it has to be it has to lack a lot of story elements because it is this like weird wilted husk of a concept at that point. Mm -hmm. Like the first death wish <laughs> exists. We all know what Paul yeah. Kersey's motivation is. Yeah. He wants to rid the earth of scum. Right. Got it. Like two movies worth covered that. So now we have to give them a reason. It's like, okay, so the reason is the cops won't interfere. Like that's literally like I've, I, I was, I was wild, racking my brain trying to figure <laughs> out what it is. That is the motivation for Paul Kersey to participate because yeah, like we've gone through two movies where people close to him have died. And now we're just at like a friend. It's oh, not yeah. even like, <laughs> it's just a buddy. Oh, this my is, buddy. This died. is just who he is. He's trapped yes. in this thing. Right. And that, he's that, that guy. Though, this is kind of the problem with where we're at in this thing, right? Is I am not here to tell you that I'm above boobs in movies, right? That's not no. the thing. Yeah. I hit for the life of me. Every movie can have all the boobs. Great. That's fine. I, for the life of me, and never figured out where this weird strain came from of this is how to get your boobs, right? And that scene is extra fucking sickening. It's like the one point I was like, what the fuck is this? Totally. Because when yeah. they kidnap her, her shirt gets ripped open. All right. If that's the scene you're going for. When they cut to that scene with that one light source, there's this moment where the light reflects and there's like someone licked her cheek. Yeah. It's so fucking disgusting. Yeah. And there, it's not even there's no I, I don't understand that. Sh I don't know where this weird vein came from, but this is in way more of these 80s movies than I think I realized when I was a younger guy. Yeah. Totally. And it's fucking weird, right? Like, why can't it be like they're fighting in an apartment, they kick the window open, it's, ah, right? Yeah. Like, pulling a right. towel up. Why does it have to be this version? And then she dies, which is and like, she fucking which died. also, fucking like, died. just saying, like, and this is, so this is the third woman who's died from rape in the Death Wish films. Also, it's like, oh, so, like, what are you trying to say here? So if a woman gets raped, she's just like, oh, she might as well just right. be dead. And like, like hey, Jesus. I didn't, even, think of that. <laughs> didn't yeah. even give her the dignity to also only like completely 
demeans her by like telling someone in the next shot like well she died I'm like jesus <laughs> like she doesn't even get a moment like it's literally just like yep rape victim number three died down there like yeah. good lord like yeah. there's no funeral, nothing, no nothing to it like I there's think nothing to, to up it with the lawyer I think it, it's also them like struggling with like actually what the film is because it's like all right we gotta like try you know because like something like so that gratuitous. if it was made now something like that is an earth shattering moment in a movie like that yeah. is the fucking that's your turn on act two into act three of like no more fucking around like yeah I am gonna kill every single person who did this and in this one it's literally like well it happened. What's the other gun you got? Tell me that again. Like it's just this weird like gloss over. There's there's a level of artistic integrity I think you have to have to even attempt this kind of subject, and this movie did not earn it. No. Nope. And I'm not saying that <laughs> her at the end of the movie shooting a freaker with the rocket launcher would have fixed it, but it would have been a damn good start. That's yeah. how this movie should have ended. Absolutely. Because they're, they're all in their standoff, right? The three-way standoff. And she kicks the door down and just fucking annihilates him. Oh. That goes a long way to making this better. Oh, I would have gone. I would have, like, I would have, like, been, like, standing up. I was going to say, I would have stood and clapped for sure. <laughs> I love the moment the of him getting blown up, but it just dawned on me if she was the one who shot that rocket. Mm. So what much a missed opportunity. See, so what I think what you're saying, what I'm hearing here is that we do, in fact, need a remake of Death Wish 3. <laughs> oh, wow. But just Death Wish well, 3. We need Not... a remake yeah, of no, Death Wish they just made with Bruce Willis. That no, needs no. to get no. I would <laughs> honestly that... just ignore that and remake Death Wish 3 particularly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And all these plot points where we adjust the story, this is the movie, but yeah. then just call it Death Wish 3. Yeah. So everyone can a like scrounge to find some fake Death Wish two that we never remade. <laughs> we all get Mandela effect. Yeah, no, everyone gets they, Mandela effect. It worked for what is that movie? Thanks Killing, didn't it? They did one and a three, oh, yeah. and they just like did it. So you know it can work here. Just they're like only stoners are watching this. This will be a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, what? We'll just forget about the Eli Roth one and we'll just start fresh. <laughs> that that's a whole other pod I would love to do. I saw it once and remember hating it. And I would love mm -hmm. to do the why that one doesn't work versus this older one. Yeah. But Death Wish Three is its own thing because again, it's it's a cartoon. This is oh, a cartoon. One hundred percent. Yeah. With a couple exceptionally vile scenes, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What's your what? If your final takeaway, though, when you turn this movie off, Rachel, what keeps mm -hmm. you coming back? What do you what's your kind of thesis of this movie? My thesis of this movie? Well, number one, I, I come to it for Kersey. I come to it for Charles Bronson. Like, I will watch anything with Charles Bronson. I will never get tired of watching him on screen. <laughs> but I stay. So I come for Kersey, but I stay for the creeps. I love that they're yeah. called creeps, number one. Yeah, right. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I mean, just, yeah, you've got that. And then you've got that, just that sweet, awful, amazing canon sleaze that's just so ridiculous. You know, it's it's a movie that is as offensive as it is completely bananas. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That's true. Alex, same question. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Rachel hit all the nails on the head. I'm not really sure I can contribute much else. Like, <laughs> she squished all say, the roaches where they Other lay. than I'll say this, it there is one thing that this movie does better than 
90% of the movies that are of its ilk, which is Ooh. has one of the most like a bonkers movie like Death Wish 3 is only made better by a movie with a soundtrack that has like <laughs> horribly misplaced audio cues in a lot of respects. Like there is I texted both of you guys before the pod and I was just like, I could do an hour on the opening credits alone. Like the soundtrack while he's like trailways bust into new, into New York city is just like this weird mix of like, like hooker down on her luck, finally with a heart of gold mixed with like Sent the away, opening yeah. mixed with like the opening credits <laughs> of like LA law or like law. Totally. And Order. Yes. Like it's this really weird, plot like bass pluck <laughs> like it's this weird sexy mix of music that makes no sense to me like the mood the vibe it sets because i like that was the, my thing is like the vibe this be opening sets music wise is so yeah. off for what the rest of the movie is but in speaking with this speaking about this griffey is right like actually the music does a very good job of telling you almost immediately this is going to be a cartoon like oh, prepare yeah. yourselves and i think therein lies like what is so successful about death wish 3 is well yeah it's there's two incredibly like mainly like really vile moments in the movie that make no sense thematically charles bronson's amazing but ultimately it never strays from the point which is like let's get to this like demilitarized area of queens and just blow th- blow shit up for yeah. like, an hour <laughs> yeah. and a half it's funny. What I'll take away, I think the really good synthesis of this for me, right, is I love the scene when Kersey and the commissioner, who wrongfully pegged him, right, another avatar for this horrible broken system that he doesn't even believe in, right? Right. They start talking. He's like, I want you to go out and crack some heads, do what we can't do, whatever. And Kersey just goes, you're letting me loose? I'm letting you loose. And at the end, we see when all the cops are circling in helicopters and not fighting, you see this commish running around on fucking dress shoed foot with Kersey, and they are just guns a blazing brothers, <laughs> uh-huh. right? And you see the smile on his face, and you see Kersey's into it, right? Kersey's kind of killing with a smile a lot. When you see the fucking commissioner of the police say that he absolutely does not believe in the law anymore, and he just also has a murder erection running around shooting these kids and then at the end he's like i'll help you escape and we see bronson walk off into the sunset to go ruin another city and hundreds of lives this is the movie where they fully embraced the concept they had set out in part one no more grappling what if everyone should be cursy and it's again i think movies are really interesting even if they don't make sense to me headspace wise, when they really show you a fully fleshed out philosophy in this movie Mm -hmm. for some people, probably there are probably people who watch this and go, that makes a lot of fucking sense to me. Totally. (laughs) And I think they, they really, it's a streamlined message and product, if nothing else. And yeah, that, that moment with the cop, that turn with him, I think that scene is what I'll remember, right? Instead of just being the guy who gave up, he's out there trying to squish bugs. Um, yeah. Those bugs just happen to be down on their luck kids, and that's Death Wish. Oh. It's always an uncomfortable <laughs> uh, murder spree, right? That's what this series does. <laughs> All right, that's it for Death Wish 3. Rachel, we want to thank you thank so you much. Thank you so much. 
thank you for picking Death Wish 3. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. <laughs> I am not sure I would have watched this. There's a great chance we never, ever would have covered this film, if not for you. So that I appreciate greatly. <laughs> You're so welcome. It was a joy and a privilege. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to tell everyone one more time uh, your information, where they can find you? Again, I'll put all this in the show notes, too. Sure, yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Vinyl Girl, G-R-R-R-L. And my writing's all over the place. And uh, I forgot to mention earlier, I'm also a co-host on the Losers Club podcast. Great uh, pod. Thanks. Yeah, Stephen King podcast. So if you are a officially Stephen reader, King officially himself Stephen approved. King yeah, approved. it's wild. So wild. So, cool. so yeah, if you're if you're a constant reader, tune in anytime. We'd love to have you. We're covering um, Wizard and Glass next. So if you're Ooh. a dark, if you're, if you're a tower head, a dark tower fan, um, there's gonna be some good talk on that one. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for making the time. Uh, we hope to have you back for our October Mega Marathon. So sure. uh, yes. if you have time, we'd love to have you back. We always I'll appreciate when you come here. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>